program, friends. Welcome back to Corbett Report Radio. Of course, I'm your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. That's C-O-R-B-E-T-T Report.com. And you are tuned into Republic Broadcasting here on this Wednesday evening, April 18th or April 19th, if you happen to be like me on the other side of the dateline. So once again, thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you for tuning in and investing your time in some healthy alternative media. And on that note, we have a very interesting conversation lined up for you tonight, but we're still trying to raise tonight's guest on the line. So in the meantime, let me just use this opportunity to follow up on something that I was telling uh, listeners about last night on the program. I mentioned that I would be talking to Bob Chapman about the possibility of publishing my weekly editorial for the International Forecaster as part of my own newsletter at CorbettReport.com, and I have gotten the go-ahead on that from Bob Chapman So now every single Saturday, everyone who is currently subscribed to the Corbett Report newsletter will be receiving in their email inbox a pretty comprehensive, pretty detailed uh, report on matters economic and social and political. And uh, every week it will be concentrating on a different aspect of some unfolding event. And, uh, And so I would humbly suggest once again that if you're not subscribed either to the International Forecaster or, of course, to CorbettReport.com, that you do so to get that. And the CorbettReport.com subscribers will have the added bonus that in your email uh, newsletter, you will actually have the hyperlinks uh, to absolutely every article, every document, everything that I cite in that editorial. So you will be able to click and, uh, and explore further down the rabbit hole for yourself, as I always like to do with all the media I put out. So once again, I truly do appreciate the subscribers, all of you out there. I, I couldn't do it without you. I literally could not do this without you. So thank you all to all of you who have signed up to become subscribers. Once again, at CorbettReport.com slash support. And I'm trying, always trying to make it even better and even more of an incentive for you to sign up. So now we have the weekly, very comprehensive, detailed article that I'll be writing for the International Forecaster arriving in your inbox as well as the monthly newsletter that I put out that includes a subscriber-only video and discounts on my DVDs and all sorts of other goodies like that. And uh, on a different note, tonight's conversation is, uh, hopefully, if we can get him on the line, we're going to be talking to Walter Burian of CAFR1.com. And for those of you out there who are completely new to the subject, CAFR stands for Comprehensive Annual Financial Report. And, uh, and I'm sure that some of you have heard of this concept before. Some of you might be absolutely brand new to it. So while we're waiting to get Walter on the line, why don't we just start by reading an interesting overview of this subject that is up on CAFR1.com. It's called Are You Ready for a Real Change? And it was writ- written by Walter Burian earlier this year on January 22nd. And it starts by saying, Here is the 200 megaton nuclear bomb put into the hands of the intelligent American taxpayer. Want to see how wealthy your local government really is and break through the selective presentation game? Government has built their internal empires by and through selective presentation and utilizing taxpayer revenue systematically separated from the general purpose operating budgets to build power bases of standing wealth outside of the general purpose operating funds. The general purpose accounting is primarily where tax revenues are brought in and allocated for general purpose services government provides. The investment fund financial power bases both domestic and international and government enterprise operations that have been built up over the decades, though have been segregated outside of the general purpose operating funds. When carefully looking at the gross income of a local government's general purpose operating budget, primarily tax revenue, and comparing it to the same local government's annual financial report known as the CAFR, all revenue income from all sources derived from investment, enterprise, and taxation, tax income 
is usually about one-third of the gross income. So we're going to be getting into this concept of comprehensive annual financial reports tonight, a fascinating concept, and it shows that uh, very contrary to what we are often told about and what's reported in the financial news headlines, governments actually have much, much, much more resources at their disposal than they like to tell us about. More on this topic right after this short break here on Corporate Report Radio. Friends, welcome back to Corbett Report Radio. Here we are on this Wednesday night, waiting for our guests to arrive. I certainly hope we haven't gotten our wires crossed and our timelines mixed up. But at any rate, Hello. we will be going over the concept of CAFRs tonight, the Comprehensive Annual Financial Reports. And uh, we hope to get uh, Walter Burian on the line from CAFR1.com to go into this, con- uh, this, uh, this concept in greater detail. But in the meantime, we are going to continue fleshing out what this is, what is a comprehensive annual financial report, and what better way to do that than actually listening listening to a clip of Walter Burian himself presenting this information. So let's listen to a clip from a very interesting uh, documentary, a video that he's put out called Ending, Ending Taxation, The Only Game in Town, 2011, that is available for download on YouTube. And let's go and listen to some of that clip. Hello, my name is Walter Burian. What we're going to be discussing in this documentary is the scope and the size of what our government has developed into. We're now, currently, government is now bringing in more gross income than the population of the United States. We'll be qualifying this through the documentary, and what we will be showing is how, at this point in time, how we can change our government's operations to phase out all taxation in this country. It is not needed. Currently, in our economy, we have a cash, taxation, and investment society. With the modifications that are going to be talked about in this documentary, the economy will be strictly a cash and investment society. The current path we're on right now could lead us to a very unpleasant circumstance. What we've done with government, would anyone allow, if they had a 15-year-old child, would they give him car blanche to write his own allowance check? All we've done with government for the last hundred years is we've allowed them to write their own allowance check. And we've seen where it's taken us. Extortion, the overbearing nature of government. We're going to be talking about the investment wealth that's built up within government, where government now owns it all by investment. The banks, the brokerage houses, the insurance companies, the Fortune 500 companies. This is not right. It's not how it was intended. If we stay on this course, it'll be a very unpleasant future for all of us. I operate a website called CAFR1.com. My specialty is qualifying the scope and size of government. Now, as this country developed over the uh, last two, three centuries, there have been many, many special things as the dreams of the individual became a reality. We had the Grand Canyon. We had the beaches in California, the ports of New York, the... Statue of Liberty. These are all special landmarks uh, that we're all familiar with. The uh, economy as it grew, we had the New York Stock Exchange and the markets, the trading of corporations, exchange of monies, the large banks, and of course, the Federal Reserve. Now, the Federal Reserve was a 
brilliant move on the part of the players back in the beginning of the century. The United States, it was obvious, was going to grow into a phenomenal mega-wealth, the largest force on the face of this planet. And they needed a currency, a bartering tool. A currency is a bartering tool. The dollar could not be backed by silver or gold. There was not enough silver or gold to back the dollar based on the potential for growth in the United States. The Federal Reserve was designed to handle the distribution of this bartering tool, the dollar, on how much was in circulation, how much was spent, how much was invested, to maintain the value. They did an excellent job over the last several uh, decades in doing so. But with unlimited expansion and the growth that took place in this country, with unlimited wealth also comes the potential for unlimited theft and extortion, easy money. And our government, there is the good intentions and also there are the opportunists. We had a situation where government kept expanding from the early 1900s. The government accounted for about 3-4% of the GDP back in the early 1900s. Currently, uh, there's figures up to as high as 65% of the GDP government is responsible for on the local and federal levels. This is unacceptable. The uh, way this developed was on the Federal Reserve with the dollar. And the dollar is, a, as I mentioned, an exchange tool, a bartering tool. Some people call it a fiat dollar. It's paper printed, recognized for exchange. In ancient times, they used seashells, uh, copper ringgits, gold bars, and so forth for exchange tools. But as the dollar was used, the dollar is actually a zero-based currency. What that means is for every $1 that goes out into the population, it comes back in by taxation back into government. So 100% of dollars that go out is funneled back in through government, through taxation, little bit by little bit, one piece at a time. What government did as this dollar was recycled over and over again each year, they would pull off 3, 4, 5, 6% and invest the money. They would provide services, pay for their expenses, and take a certain percentage and invest. Well, each year, more was invested, more was invested as that 3, 4, 5, 7, 8% was now rolled over into investments more and more each year. Come the, uh, the year 2000, government owned it all by investment. They had taken over the banks, the brokerage houses, the insurance companies, the Fortune 500 companies by investment. When you look at the banks or the insurance companies, their number one investor, collective government. We're going to be talking about certain words here. The key factor is collective. A lot of people may be familiar with their city, their town, their state, and it's just one entity, one grain of sand on the beach. When you look at local governments, there's over 174,000 local governments right now that are separate entities. And each one puts out an annual financial report, each with their own investments, each with their own assets. When you look at collective totals, government took it all over. In fact, when you look at gross income, 2007, we had collective government, federal and local, bringing in approximately $14 trillion in gross income. And someone may say, whoa, $14 trillion? How is that possible? 
Well, they talk about their tax income. Tax income is only one portion of the gross income. Government now brings in more income. The percentage of gross income is greater from return on investment funds, both domestic and international. So we may have about $2.4 trillion uh, tax income on the federal side. Local government's approximately the same. But when you start uh, adding on the investment income and enterprise income, and when we say enterprise income, that would be like tollways, bridges, even golf courses owned by cities and counties and states, wastewater treatments, sewer, uh, recycling plants owned by your local government, those are enterprise operations. When you look at the total picture, government in 2007 brought in $14 trillion. The entire population of this country grossed about $10 trillion. And if you took off direct and indirect taxation from the public's gross income, which actually turns out to be about uh, close to $5 trillion, that gives the public net after taxation gross income of $5 trillion. So here we have government on one hand bringing in $14 trillion in gross in 2007, and the public bringing in $5 trillion net after taxation. In other words, if you went back to Russia in the 40s, that was their wildest dream to be able to accomplish that type of control and ownership. So this is not right. This developed in our country effectively right under our own noses. The comprehension was never talked about, discussed. An intentional void was created with the full cooperation of the syndicated media, controlled education, both political parties due to the money involved. You know, we're not talking about the Joe Sixpack crowd betting $5 on Dallas. Here we have some of the sharpest minds on the face of the planet orchestrating the takeover of the world economy. The corporations, the land, the productivity value of the people. And this documentary will be designed to show that based on what has developed in government, the total investment wealth amassed by government, there is no need whatsoever for taxation. None. Zero. We can phase out all taxation and make it disappear. One venue at a time. Now, everyone is familiar with a pension fund. A pension fund pays a salary and benefits at retirement. Any city, county, state, school district can be restructured under the same principle of operation to pay their ongoing budgetary obligations into perpetuity through what I call a TRF fund, tax retirement fund. Same as a pension fund, but instead of paying a salary and benefits at retirement, it pays the ongoing budgetary obligations, so taxation is not needed. A tax retirement fund is something that I've developed which can phase out all taxation. Uh, we can go in and do a complete audit of a local venue, a city, county. It could be a small city uh, or a large city. A uh, complete audit is done, statistical review, and then a prospectus prepared showing the causal remarks where taxation can be phased out based on the return from that investment fund, or like a pension, where it meets the budgetary obligations. Causal remark where enough of a reserve is created where they can phase out all taxation. And the causal remark where even if they're doing a good job, there is excess revenue available for distribution to the resident property owners on top of no taxation. 
Now, as I mentioned, government pension funds grew to massive totals. When you look at the collective growth of government pension funds, local and federal combined from all, you're standing at about liquid assets of about 24 to 26 trillion dollars in collective totals. can't trust the government? Oh, but the poor government, we should feel so sorry for them. Oh, oh, poor government. If you go to the U.S. national debt clock, for example, you'll find that the current U.S. national debt that the uh, U.S. government has accumulated over the years is now at $15.6 trillion. Oh, poor government. How are they ever going to come up with that money? I guess they'll just have to keep taking more and more and more and more and more out of all of your pocketbooks to pay for that debt. Oh, oh, poor government. Actually, interestingly enough, if you go to U.S. National Debt Clock right now as I'm speaking, um, it's currently at $15,666,000,000 uh, and some change, which is and interesting. But at any rate, there you go. The U.S. National Debt uh, is trotted out before our eyes over and over and over again and used as a political football like it was last year during the uh, debt ceiling talks. And yet... Here we are uh, tonight exploring the concept of comprehensive annual financial reports, which give a lie to the $15.6 trillion that the U.S. Uh, national debt and, by inference, the U.S. public supposedly owes, although I would wonder how much of that you've actually seen yourselves if you happen to be Americans in the crowd. But anyways, that's the argument that's constantly trotted out. Oh, there's so much in debt. Well, we just have to keep taking more and more and more out of your pocketbooks to pay for it. And you'll have to keep getting more and more clawed and clawed back and clawed out of your, uh, out of your wallet. And that's, uh, that's the argument that's trotted out. Tonight we're exploding that myth and taking a look at the comprehensive annual financial reports, which give a lie to that. And just before the break, we were listening to an extended excerpt from a very interesting uh, video documentary called Ending Taxation, The Only Game in Town. Once again, that's up on YouTube, and I'll put it in the show notes for tonight's episode at CorbettReport.com slash radio. And that is uh, by Walter Burian, the man who has really pioneered and crusaded about this CAFR concept uh, since uh, really discovering it and, and bringing it to the light of public scrutiny back in the 1990s and really questioning the and interrogating the assumptions behind what we are being told. But uh, unfortunately, it seems that our wires have been crossed. For whatever reason, Walter is un, un, we're unable to get him on the line at this time. So hopefully we'll be able to get him on another night. But uh, until then, we'll be talking about this concept of CAFRs and what they really tell us about what's going on financially behind the scenes. And of course, your, uh, your comments, your questions and, and on this topic or really anything you want to get in on, the phone lines are wide open. 1-800-313-9443. That's 1-800-313-9443. And we already have one caller on the line. We have George in Wisconsin. So let's go to the phone calls. George, thank you for your call tonight. Well, hello. I would certainly like to have said hello to Walter Burian. I'll tell you what, that concept started back in 1946. I'm an independent newsman in Wisconsin. I go by the name The Patriot. And I've already passed out more than 400 videos of him in the past that he did with uh, Alex Jones. And back in 2003, I went to our city hall and I said, hey, I'm just getting into the news business. I would like to talk to somebody about this uh, comprehensive annual financial report. 
And the lady says, well, how do you know about that? I said, well, because I, I got news on it, and that's why I'm asking you questions. Will you answer some questions? And then she turned her back and said no and walked away. Well, that said it all. Then I knew everything I had seen was true. And what I have on the street right now, I just had another hundred made out. I have a fella in a warehouse. He has a super duplicator. And I have a thing out with uh, Kurt Tomlin with the United Nations and our threat to our national sovereignty and Walter Burian's video on that. So, uh, well, excellent. It's great to yes, hear about sir. that. And so, it's unfortunate so our, uh, that we're not talking to Walter tonight, but it is good to have you here to talk a, a little bit about your experiences. Well, because here, as, you, as you point out, exactly, in, sometimes it's in the reaction. It's in what they don't say when you try to pose questions about these things that Correct. speaks volumes. You know, one other thing then, too, I, in the American Free Press in the March 2011 issue, there was a story in about Wisconsin, and it said they had $123 billion in their slush fund. So I wrote the letter to the governor, and you know what they sent me back? A form letter that says, thank you for asking about our economy. So, uh, you know, we can't get these answers. What I like to recommend to a lot of the people out there, I, I'm sure a lot of them know about this because I've known about it for 10 years myself, passing this information on, but it would be good to uh, go into your city hall and just play like, you know, Hey, you know, I heard about the comprehensive annual, you know, and just see if they'll answer you. And even if they don't, you know, well, then they're lying. They're in on it, too. So I uh, hope I filled in a little time for you there, but got any oh, more questions? Absolutely. Uh, I think I think that's a, that's a great experience to have because, as you point out, it's people going to City Hall and trying to raise these questions and get more answers that will uh, bring more scrutiny to this this issue that obviously needs more scrutiny. So if you want to hold on, and uh, I would like to ask you some questions about this Why, topic yes, since sir. you're on the line. Absolutely. Well, uh, first of all, we only have uh, about a minute before we go to break, but just quickly, how did you get involved in CAFRS and what brought oh, your well, attention to Well, I'll tell you what. The first thing that got me going when, when I found out 9-11 was a scam. So in uh, March of 2002, I started with a newsletter, and then I went from there, and then everything that I saw in Patriot newspapers, I wrote in and got that newspaper. And then that newspaper had an address of some other newspaper, and I got that. Next thing I know, I got 20 newspapers. I started making out videos, 100 of them on just VHS tapes. So I bought a whole stack of them. But it would take like six hours, you know, to complete them. Now with the DVDs, you pop one, got a super duplicator, buddy, and bingo, you got a 100 like nothing. Absolutely. It's it's an incredible uh, age we're living in. All right, just hold on right there. We'll come right back to you after this break here on Corbett Report Radio talking about the comprehensive annual financial report swindle. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Yes, unfortunately, Big Brother is watching you on the telly and everywhere else as they roll out the high-tech police state bought and paid for by your tax dollars, which, of course, is extracted through force and violence, or at least the threat and intimidation thereof. And based on the fundamental underlying lie that the government is just so broke, it's completely and totally in debt, and there's nothing they can do to get out of that debt. 
Well, we're exploding that myth tonight by taking a look at the comprehensive annual financial reports, the listing of the true govern gross income of the government, which puts a very different spin on that tale. And just reading from CAFR1.com, the homepage of Walter Burian, who has been spearheading the research into this subject for many years, it says local and federal government's gross income in 1999 was $8.5 trillion, and the entire population of the USA's gross income net after taxation was $4.8 trillion. So we are talking about staggering, staggering sums of money that are being obscured and hidden behind these, uh, well, basically, not even sleights of hand, just a separate set of books that you're not supposed to know about or ask about. So unfortunately, Walter Burian is not able to join us tonight. We have uh, gotten our wires crossed on that. But we do have on the line George from Wisconsin, a.k.a. The Patriot, who himself has been looking into this issue and trying to spread the word about it for many years. So let's go back to George uh, talking about your experiences with this. As I just indicated in that little snapshot, uh, just the sums of money that we're talking about here are staggering. And, of course, you've seen that from your own perspective there in Wisconsin. Can you talk about that, uh, that the amount of money that's being covered up and really what purposes this is being uh, used for? recent bulletin that I put out on the street, in fact, it has an article by Walter in it and some other interesting facts he's got stated in here that over... 54,000 local government corporate entities are messing with this stuff. You know, they're lying to us on a daily basis. I never did believe they said, oh, we need this money, oh, we need that money, no. And originally this was called, I don't know if Walter got it on his uh, website, but most likely, but originally it was called Government Financial Officers Association. That's how it first started out, I guess, back in 1946. But uh, it's really hard. I only had a chance to interview one other congressman up here. And the day I went in there, there were only three people, so I let them go, and I had them for the rest of the time. I had prepared 21 questions to ask him, and he only could ask her one. And since this was in 2002, I uh, had the first question for the airline pilots, if they should be allowed to carry guns. And he says, oh, yes, they should. But you know what? Sometime after that, I found out that they were already permitted to carry guns. Now, if that's true, was it before 2001 that you might know? I never heard that before. Certainly not. No, I've never heard that before either. I thought that was why the air marshals were put in after 9-11 specifically to have armed officers on board. Uh, Yes, yes. You know, it would be so nice if these people would be honest with us because we eventually can figure it out. And then there's always these nice whistleblowers that come up with things, too. And uh, Exactly, and they're always silenced, aren't it, they? It's a shame. Uh, we had a few people that wanted to run. In fact, I was even going to run for an office up here, too. But when I called the lady who was in charge of all the forms, she wouldn't get back to me. <laughs> and I said, oh, man, this place is wrapped up. It ain't nothing but good old boys. So uh, finally, I just looked into paper now today. A Wednesday edition comes out. And last week I put in two ads. I'm trying to get a conference going on uh, Agenda 21. So it was in the newspaper two times last week and then two times this week. And hopefully I'll be able to rent a hall and wake these people up. Because what I want to do is get a hold of some of these people that are really pushing Agenda 21, and they believe in it and all that, and then I'll just show them all the evidence. Because the evidence far outweighs all the lies that they could tell us. 
We, we the know truth that. outweighs the lies every time. And it sounds yes, like sir. you're doing yeoman's work on this and a lot of other issues. So my hat's off to you for that. Um, there's people listening, obviously, all around the states and all, around the world, really, right now. Do you have yeah. a website or anywhere that people can oh, go to get No, you know what? In fact, I just got on 80 days ago. I used to broadcast on the Internet three years ago, and I was on, but my mother got ill, and I just couldn't devote time away from her, you know. She's passed on now. But I just got it about 80 days ago. And my TV is just locked on, well, the television set screen I use for my uh, Internet here. And I just listen to RBM because there's plenty here. And then contacts around the country, we've always done things by phone. And uh, it's such an old machine when I tried to get on to even look at my email because some guy said, hey, man, I'm sending you some email. I said, yeah, but when I go to look at that, it takes a half hour to get back on RBM. So I said, until you guys come up with some new machine here, Aren't you supposed to be able to be uh, listening to a radio broadcast and then also be reading your screen? Isn't there some kind of way to do that? There are ways to do that. In fact, oh. on republicbroadcasting.org, if you click play in a new window, it'll open up a different window in your browser, and so you can listen and then go back okay. to your other window and okay. continue browsing. So I'm not, I'm not familiar with that. Well, uh, certainly it is, uh, it's great to have you listening in. And, uh, absolutely, if you want to get in touch with me through my, uh, website, corporatereport.com, just give me a contact and I'd be oh, interested hey, to take uh, a look at the information up. you got and help promote yeah. what you're doing because I'm always got, happy I've to have you. I've got all your programs, man. I record every day, every program for the past 80 days. And I take Excellent. notes on every program too here. So when people well, want to do something, bingo, bingo. Absolutely. My hat's off yeah. to you for helping to spread the info, which is the most important thing that anyone can be doing. So uh, oh, thank yes, you for that. And uh, George, thank you so much for your phone call. All right. Hey, take care and keep up the good work, buddy. Bob. Will do. Okay, thank you to George in Wisconsin. Once again, uh, phone line's wide open. If you'd like to get in, 1-800-313-9443 as we continue bre- breaking down the comprehensive annual financial report and talking about some of the history and the hidden history that George was mentioning there. So let's go to the Milk Toast Whitewash uh, Wikipedia, which, of course, I don't recommend as a source of knowledge uh, unqualifiedly, but... But on a side note, if uh, just for my own personal opinions on Wikipedia, I think it is at the very least a useful resource to see what the quote-unquote consensus opinion on various topics are, what the milk toast whitewash uh, consensus is. And then also it provides uh, footnotes occasionally that can actually be helpful in finding documentation on various issues. And I always suggest people go back to the documentation itself and not take anyone's summary of it. But at any rate, having said that as a proviso, let's take a look at the Comprehensive Annual Financial Report Wikipedia, which talks a little bit about that history that George was mentioning. And it says here, the National Committee on Municipal Accounting, the NCMA, was formed in 1934 by the Government Financial Officers Association to create accounting standards. As a result of its work, the principles of municipal accounting the predecessor to the CAFR was created. The successor to the NCMA, the National Council on Governmental Accounting, the NCGA, issued Governmental Accounting, Auditing, and Financial Reporting, which is the basis of the format for the current standard. This document, known as the Blue Book, and its successors documented the CAFR accounting structure and provided standardization and example documents. By 1946, the various levels of government, federal, state, local, and municipal, each began producing a CAFR to catalog an accurate picture of institutional funds, enterprise or financial holdings, assets, and total investment incomes for those government and non-governmental entities using the report. 
This measure is above and beyond the budget process and replaced what was regularly an off-the-books practice called the General Fixed Asset Account Group. General Purpose Government budget reports did not reflect accounting of this financial data, only reporting on the budget or rainy day funds or pension fund investment. By the 1970s, the CAFR became the nationwide paradigm for local government accounting. The resulting CAFR is presented to the GFOA, which con- conducts every year a review of applicant local government CAFRs, and upon review, awards their Certificate of Achievement Award for Excellence in Financial Reporting to those local governments that are in compliance with their CAFR accounting standards of prefer- preparation. Presently, accounting principles for government entities are set by transmittal letters issued to local governments by the GASB. So reading between the lines of that Wikipedia whitewash again, if you want to go to Wikipedia, you can take a look at that and go to some of the sources cited there. But at any rate, just even reading between the lines of that summary, which in and of itself is obviously just a, a, a whitewash of the situation, this, this practice has existed, but before it was explicitly off the books in general fixed asset account groups. But now it, there is an actual set of books that are referred to as the Blue Books or the CAFR accounting structure. And these are available if you know what to look for, where to look, and what questions to ask. But unfortunately, so few people do, and they just take the government's gross income figures as as uh, the really the Bible. Oh, well, they say that they're getting so X number of dollars a year. But they're not telling you about the other assets, their enterprise, their financial holdings, their institutional funds. So here we're talking about the uh, the pension uh, funds and all of these other things that are really owned and operated by these municipalities and other governmental structures. And all of this revenue is uh, is income that is not being reported to you unless you know where to look. So let's start exploring this a little bit more. And let's go back to that article that we started on earlier tonight in the broadcast, Are You Ready for a Real Change? by Walter Burian. And let's continue reading from that because I think it starts to draw out some of the implications of this in a pretty good manner. He says, a large local government can be crying budget shortfall under their selectivity pre- selectively presented general purpose operating budget, but upon review of the financial wealth power-based funds held, held and other income, the same local government upon total and comprehensive review can be clearly in the black by millions, if not billions of dollars. There is nothing complicated here. If an individual or a government has established significant fund balances developed over decades, those fund balances are power bases by investment that makes or breaks many individual fortunes by where those funds are invested. If an individual or a local government thinks they can tag someone else to pay for shortfalls in other areas without tapping into their power bases of funds under domestic and international investment management, they will do so. As is the case for local governments, they have been doing so very effectively with ever-increasing taxes and debt issues tagging the taxpayer for several decades now. Like giving a 13-year-old kid carte blanche to write his own allowance check, the parents get screwed every single time. Here we have attorneys elected to every level of government writing the check. Danger, Will Robinson, danger. So, do you want to see how wealthy your government really is? And watch how quickly all of these promoted budget shortfalls disappear? Ever notice how a local government promotes a new project to be funded by taxpayer debt, and the population turns it down cold? But then that local government finds the money somewhere, and the project proceeds? Here is what solves that selective presentation predicament for always trying to tap the public first. Immediately make it law in your local government, city, county, state, school district, state, university, that, one, 
all investment funds, domestic and international, held or managed by that government or managed for the benefit of that government, enterprise operations, and strictly participatory pensions included, of any type or designation, must contribute quarterly 35% of their gross investment yield, not net, into the general purpose operating funds. Two, all enterprise operations overseen by that local government or any quasi-government operation type overseen by that local government shall contribute quarterly 35% of their gross, not net, revenue generated or collected into the general purpose operating funds. Three, growth of any local government as determined proportionally by all operations directly or overseen by the local government, operating costs, salaries, employee benefits, shall be limited to not exceed 4.5% growth a year. A local government that has exceeded this limitation for the previous five years shall be limited to a 1.5% annual growth rate for at least five years forward. Four, surpluses present within the local government's general purpose operating funds that exceed 25% over the preceding year's projected operating budget shall be returned with the payments tax-exempted annually to the resident taxpayers of that local government proportionally paid to paid to each based on taxation collected from those same residents and businesses living and operating in that local government venue, utilizing a five-year average of previous taxation collected from the same. So there you are, friends, a, uh, a four-step plan. There's a fifth step as well, and uh, it goes on a little bit from there, but I'll let you continue reading that article for yourselves at Are You Ready for a Real Change at CAFR1.com. A very, very thought-provoking uh, article talking about the billions, and in fact, when you add it up between the, the hundreds of and thousands of municipal and uh, state and county and local governments that uh, each individually have their own pension funds, etc., through which they are institutionally invested, and all of which is not reported, all of the income from which is not reported on the, the books that are shown to the public, when you add it all up, it really does come to the trillions of dollars. And we're talking about mind-boggling amounts of wealth that is being completely hidden from the public. And also, if you also read a little bit between the lines or listen to more of uh, Walter Beeren's work on this subject, including that video that we were looking at earlier, Ending Taxation, The Only Game in Town, one of the insidious parts of this is that when you look at where these state-owned pension funds and these other uh, investment projects of the governments are invested, it's almost inevitably in major technology companies, for example. I mean, we can look at the Microsofts and, uh, and Googles and other uh, public entities through which these pensions are invested. Or we can look at things like uh, the, the, the pharmaceutical complex, the military-industrial complex, the biotech GMO-creating monstrosity big agri-companies that are buying up and destroying the biosphere. Inevitably, these pensions are investing these billions and ultimately trillions of dollars that they're keeping hidden from you in the very types of corporate and governmental uh, corporate structures that are very much a part of the enslavement grid overall. It's a program that, of course, props itself up. And once again, as we've observed so many times, there's really no difference at the very top between the major uh, governments and the, the major corporations, which are hand in glove. And which hand is in which glove, I suppose, is a debate to be had. But at any rate, the fact that they operate in unison can hardly be debated. And when we think of all of these funds secretly, uh, really being kept from the public, going to fund these very these very monstrosities that are in so so key re- aspect operating and, and manipulating the economy. That is where I see the the most horrific part of all of this. And then, just as further insult to the injury of it all, 
they always cry budget shortfall and plead with uh, with the public, well, we don't want to do this, but we're just going to have to raise some tax uh, revenue because we just cannot meet our debt, debt obligations. Once again, with debts that uh, I'm pretty sure you and uh, and no one you know really w- was actively involved in creating, and the benefits of which you almost never see. There are some scraps thrown from the table to keep the public placated and some food stamps and other things to keep people from going completely into all-out uh, famine, starvation, revolutionary mode. But other than that, it's always just scraps to keep you placated while they play with the real billions and ultimately trillions at the top. So there are so many layers to this scheme, so many things to to think about. And I think it's important just to get people aware that there are these blue books, the second set of books, the comprehensive annual financial reports, and to start looking into the issue. And I'm not here to say precisely exactly what's going on or why it's why it's come to be this way or or to say precisely what has to be done to get rid of it. Of course, that there's a lot more to be said on those matters. But at any rate, if we can just get some more attention to the CAFR issue, that would be welcome for all involved. So once again, CAFR1.com is the website of Walter Burian, who has been spearheading much of this research. On that note, let's take a short break, and we'll be back to wrap up tonight's episode of the broadcast right after this. Broadcast friends, you are tuned into Corporate Report Radio here on Republic Broadcasting, and here we are in the final minutes of tonight's broadcast. Unfortunately, unable to raise our guest, Walter Burian, tonight, but I do hope that we will get him on the line in the future for a conversation on this topic. But at any rate, we have raised the specter of the Kaffir Reports, the second set of books by which the government is uh, keeping well, billions and ultimately trillions of dollars away from the public's attention and crying uh, crying crocodile tears over their supposed budget shortfalls. Lots of very, very interesting information to delve into. And once again, I think CAFR1.com is a good starting point for this type of information. So I hope you'll check into that. It's also not to say that, uh, that we can immediately uh, understand what it is precisely that we can infer from these reports. There is some controversy over that. And there is, for example, for those of you who might be a member of TragedyAndHope.com, there's an interesting discussion on their forums about what can one reasonably infer from CAFR reports, wondering whether this type of uh, control o- over various companies can be exercised as, as straightforwardly as, as some claim. Uh, a very interesting discussion along those lines. So there's a lot to be talked about, but at any rate, I certainly hope we have at least launched the discussion. And for people who might be listening around the world in other venues, I would humbly suggest that you start uh, taking a look at the, how this applies to your own your own municipality or your own uh, venue, wherever you might be located. And just as an example, it's important to know that the GFOA, the Government Finance Officers Association, which awards their achievement for excellence in financial reporting for the CAFRs, also is uh, operates equally in the United States and Canada, because Canada also has their CAFR program. So this is not just an American issue for the other listeners in the crowd. And on that note, we have uh, Werner in New Brunswick on the line. So let's go to Werner. Thanks for calling in tonight. Uh, good evening, James. Uh, uh, I uh, took quite an interest in uh, Mr. Burian's, uh in his uh, financial report there uh, about half a year ago. But uh, one question I would like to ask, uh, where does it fit in where a government claim uh, 
because of the serious uh, budget shortfalls that they are being forced to sell off, uh, for example, public utilities or public assets to make up for the shortfalls. Well, to be honest, I think that's where the, the complicity between the corporations and the government comes into play, because, of course, that's the privatization of what was theoretically, presumably, the public interest, and it uh, it just transfers it directly into the private hands where it can be used as, as they want. And, of course, we saw what happened with Enron in the wake of uh, that deregulation. So, certainly, I think it, it plays into the interests of the people who are really uh, in, in lockstep with the government. So, uh, that's uh, basically, you know, when the servants are selling off the master's estate, uh, once the master finds out, he might get pretty peeved off. Well, that's an interesting analogy, but it uh, it makes you wonder. I mean, in in that analogy, are the people the master? Yeah, this is what I'm saying. You know, the right, people okay. are supposed to be the masters. Those are the people's assets. And they're exactly. Well, out from underneath the people. Exactly. So somebody has to go point. to jail for that. Well, in any reasonable system, one would presume that's how it operates. But I think we, you and I both know it's not a reasonable system. Well, let's make it reasonable again. Excellent. Well, that's the spirit, and that's what we have to do. There's a good place for the military to finally start, uh, you know, uh, carrying their weight. Well, once again, in, in the United States, of course, the military takes an oath to the Constitution and to preserve and protect that Constitution from all enemies, foreign and domestic. And it's the and domestic that I think we should be increasingly concerned about, obviously not just in the U.S., but in every polity around the world. Militaries want to say, uh, uh, save their honor. They better step up to the plate. Well, it's increasingly looking that way, and I think you're right about that. So, Werner, thank you so much for the call. Thank you also to George in Wisconsin, and thank you to all of you out there for listening tonight. And uh, once again, I hope we'll get Walter Burian on to go over this in more de- depth in the future. But until then, thank you for listening, and I look forward to talking to you all again tomorrow night.